Hello and welcome to Across the Bifrost, the Mighty Thor podcast where we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. I am your host, Ryan Doze, and I am excited for Halloween. It's October 31st. We are ready for the spookiest of all holidays, the most haunting of all hours. And here on Across the Bifrost, we celebrate holidays by digging into some Thor stories. So today we're going to do just that. We have two fantastic issues of Thor to break down with you, also bringing back my my friend Eric Fisher to have this little chat with me. We are looking at the time that Thor, the god of thunder, faced off against Dracula, the lord of the vampires. I mean, how much more how much more like Halloween does it get when it comes to Dracula and vampires and it's going to be fantastic. I promise you it's going to be a good chat. You're not going to want to miss it. Today's episode is just a lot of fun. I think you're really going to enjoy it. For those of you that have gone to Facebook and joined our brand new group, thank you very much. Continuing the conversation there is a way that you can help out the show and just honestly meet some other awesome Thor fans. If you're following us on Instagram also, thank you very much. That's at Mighty Thor Podcast. If you have yet to go there and follow and like and comment and share and do all the things. If you have gone and given us a rating, a review, or a subscription, thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate that. If you haven't, go to iTunes, go to Spotify, do all of that. We would appreciate it. Leave us a five-star review and tell us what you love about the show. Maybe it's maybe what you love about the show is that we do these specials from time to time. Hey, that's fantastic. We did a, I believe we did an all-Father's Day special for Father's Day way back in the day. That feels like forever ago now. But thank you very much. If you've listened, you've supported us in any way, truly thank you, thank you, thank you. This episode was so much fun to record. It was a little difficult to record because I have some excited kids here at my house. My, my kids are so excited for Halloween. I'm so excited for Halloween. They were so excited for Halloween that they actually interrupted the recording so many times. So I hope that you can bear with a little bit of audio uh, little issue, but I really do believe we put together a fantastic, fun show for you. So without further ado, let's break down these two issues of the mighty Thor where Thor faces off against Dracula. Okay, everyone, welcome into our Halloween special here on Across the Bifrost. I am joined by my good friend Eric Fisher to talk about some Thor comics in the early 80s. Eric, how's it going tonight, man? Oh, not too bad, man. Glad to be here. We are uh, we are in uh, a spooky mood tonight, so I figured we would talk about the you know just just the time that thor decided to go and fight dracula it feels appropriate and it is a crazy story so uh just off the top did like when you read these issues what were like were you looking forward to them were you like ah, i don't know about this uh going into it what were you thinking about when i gave you these issues to read so i i <laughs> it's funny i love i love dracula uh, I, all of the, you know, all of the original universal monsters, uh, uh, when I was a kid, I used to, I used to go get these books <laughs> from a school library, uh, that were written in like, uh, I mean, the, the late sixties maybe. Yeah. 
and there was just this run of these books about the universal monsters like Frankenstein and the blob and Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. And and so it was just this series of these books about these old movies. And I would, I would read, I'd read them multiple times and I did book reports on them and stuff like that. It's pretty funny. So yeah, Dracula has a special place in my, in my heart. So I was, I was looking forward to reading these and, and I'm glad I did because they were, they were good. It was, it was a good time. The, uh, bringing up the universal monsters. I, I, absolutely love the universal monster stories you know like like you mentioned like dracula and you know the wolfman and then you got like creature from the black lagoon Mm -hmm. frankenstein like all that so actually when i was preparing and prepping for this i didn't tell you this but when i was prepping for this i was like well I feel I feel like having some fun, you know. It's Halloween. I you know I don't really like you know get into like the gorier like hot horror stuff. Uh, so I was like, what can I watch? What can I watch while I sit here and, and get ready for this? So I just watched Young Frankenstein as I was prepping for this whole thing, and I'm like fully in the I'm in the mood to talk Dracula and to talk some old school monster stories. Um, but if you're ready to go, man. We're going to jump into these two issues of The Mighty Thor. These issues that we're going to talk about came out in the summer of 1983. So if you've been following along with our throwback series, this is a little bit of a departure from that. And it's also not really current. So this is why we're calling this the Halloween special is it really takes place out of continuity from our normal series that we like to do. This is a fun episode that I hope you guys enjoy for Halloween. These issues came out in June and July. The first issue we're going to talk about is Thor 332. It is entitled The Blood of a Goddess. And then we'll close our conversation talking about issue 333 entitled Like a Bat Out of Heaven. So before we jump into those issues individually and break them down with eric and get his thoughts and just honestly have some laughs with some you know just insane over the top dracula action (laughs) um wanted to tell you guys the listeners about the creative team that was on these books because uh we haven't really talked about any of these people yet in our throwback stuff or even in our little spotlights that we've done and i think there are some really cool connections i know there's some cool connections for eric here because eric uh, i'm sure he'll go into this is a huge transformers fan there's a lot of transformers connections here there's also some connections to moon knight and werewolf by night some you know famous horror related characters in marvel comics at this time but Let's jump into who wrote these issues of the Mighty Thor. They were written by Alan Zelenetz, who is not really a name maybe uh, modern fans of Thor might have heard of, uh, but he plays, a, I would say, a, an interesting role in the writing history of Thor. Up until this point, uh, he had done a few uh, issues of um, some, some random fill-in books, but then he would go on to do books like Moon Knight, Marvel Fanfare, which was a collecting collecting book of um, just, you know, they'd get uh, one hero to come in for a book and then another hero would come in for the next one. Kind of a compilation style title. Then he worked on some sword and sorcery titles like Cole the Conqueror and Conan the Barbarian. And then he was able to do some What If comics. A few titles you may have heard of are uh, What If Bullseye Had Not Killed Elektra? 
based off of the Frank Miller Daredevil uh, comic where uh, Bullseye kills Elektra. He uh, asked the question, what if Elektra had not died that night? And then he did a, a I would, I, we almost did an episode on this what if issue actually way back when, uh, what if Thor of Asgard had met Conan the Barbarian? And that issue of what if you actually can't find on Marvel Unlimited, so we weren't able to do it. Uh, but that was a what if issue that Alan Zelenetz did and it combined, it combined two characters that he was currently writing at the time. He did a brief run on Thor, which was really just seven, eight issues uh, in 1983. And then he did a few Thor annuals. The thing that make makes Alan Zelenetz an interesting figure in the history of writing Thor comics is he is the last writer to pen stories for Thor before the book is taken over by a, a little known author that um, you may have heard of that wrote Thor in the eighties, Mr. Walt Simonson. So Alan Zelenetz is given the uh, dubious task of finishing out this run of Thor before creative was given over to Walt Simonson. So uh, Eric, just the, the writer of these issues, he's really playing a, not a pivotal role, but kind of a transitional role in the book. Um, did you know anything about Ellen Zelenetz before you read these issues? I didn't really. I, when I, so his name was vaguely familiar when I was looking over the notes he sent me. And so okay. I, I, I pulled him up, you know, online and just looked at it at his, you know, his resume, what have you. And, uh, and as I was reading through it, I was like, oh, yeah, I know. Like you said, the, the what if I had that copy of what if uh, what if um, Bullseye hadn't killed Electra? Oh, um, awesome. And, and it, it, until, like I said, until I saw his name, it didn't even click that he was that he was on that book. Um, uh, but, yeah, yeah. Once I started looking into him, I was, it's, it's amazing, you know, how many connections that these guys uh, from the from this age of comics, they just you know they had their hands in everything. Everybody, everybody worked for every company here and there, and wrote on this book or pinned that book or you know, uh, it's 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 pretty it's pretty crazy how how prolific these guys were. I mean, speaking of guys that you know crossed crossed over with several different characters and titles, uh, the the pencilers on these issues, we get a different penciler for each issue on number 332 we get a i would i would say a, a relatively well known if you if you're a more more modern fan you probably know the creation of that this man had a key role in making probably more than his name uh was da uh, don perlin did he penciled issue 332 and then mark bright pe penciled issue 333 let's first jump into uh, a little bit about Don Perlin. He is best known for his works on books like Werewolf by Night, Moon Knight, The Defenders, uh, Ghost Rider, and he did a two-year stint on a little book called Transformers. And uh, he's probably most famously known alongside co-creator uh, Doug Monk for creating the character of Mark Spector, the Moon Knight. So, uh, I know there's Transformers in there. There's Moon Knight in there. Eric, does anything jump, kind of jump off the page? Uh, anything you remember maybe from the 80s about Don Perlin's work? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Don, um, like you said, with, with the Moon Knight connection. So uh, Moon Knight is one of my one of my all time favorite Marvel characters. Um, it, it, I I love that character since as far back as I can remember. And uh, so I, I read a lot of those early Moon Knight books, and uh, um, I remember I did remember uh, his, Don's name from from that those runs. Um, and I didn't realize I didn't realize that he had ties to Transformers until um, yeah he sent me those notes, which is really cool because um, you know we we talked a little bit about it, but uh, at this at this time when these books were being released was right as Transformers was exploding in the United States, like it, it, they you know Hasbro had just uh, gotten the licenses for the toys from uh, Takara in Japan and. And uh, Marvel writers, you know, uh, we talked about Bob Budiansky and, and Jim Shooter. Yeah, the, yeah. Those were the guys that were writing the, the character bios on the back of the toys, on the boxes the toys came in. Yeah. Which, which is really cool. So, yeah, lots of lots of cool Marvel tiebacks and, and call-outs for, for the, their, their Transformer book, their early Transformer book, um, and as well as, as well as the toys and and like I said, Moon Knight. Moon Knight's awesome. <laughs> I mean, really, uh, I, I could I could do a I could do a full tangent on like um, on on Moon Knight, but you know, I think to have somebody you know where artists and creators and writers can go their whole career and not create something you know uh, as even as awesome as they are, they can go their whole careers and not create something half as cool as Moon Knight. Um, yeah. And um, and it's awesome. Like soon Moon Knight's going to be getting his own uh, Disney plus show. And that's yeah. going to be fantastic. <laughs> uh, you know, Moon Knight is such a great character and he's so different um, from a lot of those vigilante type, you know, characters. I know that sometimes he gets compared to like, Oh, it's like, it's like Marvel's Batman. Right. But, yeah. you know, I think you would agree there, there's some pretty significant differences uh, between uh, Mark Spector and Bruce Wayne and, and the alter egos of Moon Knight and Batman. Um, but we've got, you know, we've got one of the co-creators of, of, a, of a great character on this book. The issue uh, 333 uh, illustrated, illustrated by Mark Bright. Mark Bright did a few fill in issues uh, as the pre Simonson era was ending on Thor and Mark Bright would go on to do some work on uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. Uh, he would do Iron Man work during the Armor Wars storyline, which is a, a seminal, uh, you know, Iron Man story. And speaking of 80s toy-related titles, he would also do some artwork on the G.I. Joe comic that Marvel was doing at the time. Mark Bright uh, pencils this issue, and he would go on to do some really cool stuff. But any thoughts on Mark Bright before we move on to uh, a few more well-known names, Eric? No, not really. Um, you know, okay. it, G. I. the G.I. Joe Marvel comic was kind of, it was kind of like their Transformers, right? Like, uh, for me, it was such a it, such a different direction to think about Marvel doing a Transformers book or a G.I. Joe book, uh, specifically tying them back to the toys, right? Yeah. Uh, just It just shows you, you know, that early 80s, how far... Hasbro and Mattel and, and Kenner, those those companies that made those toys, how far they would go with their marketing plan. Yeah. To, to get com comics and cartoons and 
cereal and you know just everything under the sun yeah anything you just yeah. slap the transformers the you know the the he-man or you know thundercats yeah. on anything you know because really i mean i think we can both you know agree the the comics were meant to sell the toys it wasn't yeah. the other way it wasn't the other way around and i mean really the comics were like you said a form of merchant merchandising of getting out there like oh come on kids like get these fun toys like you you could play with megatron and optimus prime in your in your bedroom like if you had what you know the toys that these comics are just you know completely different philosophy than to than mark toy marketing today i feel like i know we've we've even talked about this with the 80s a lot of 80s cartoons you know like really that's a half an hour commercial every saturday yeah, it's just a vehicle to sell you to exactly. Uh, so let's jump on to uh, the inks for these issues and then the cover art, and then we'll jump into these issues and uh, we'll delay no further. And I know this is a this is a controversial person we're about to bring up. Um, and and obviously Eric and I were not in the room when these comics are being created, so we don't know anything definitive. Um, but you know, a lot of a lot of uh, how do I say this? First-hand accounts of this man's work have been, let's say, controversial at best. Um, so these issues are inked by a, whether you love him or hate him, a legendary name in Marvel Comics, and he is most most tied to his work on Thor with Jack Kirby as the penciler. The inker I'm talking about is Vince Coletta. Vince Coletta inks these two issues and. Um, yeah, he's uh, Eric. He's nothing. He's nothing but controversial. Uh, what What is your What is your opinion? If we can keep it somewhat brief, what is yeah. your opinion on Vince Coletta? Love him, hate him, don't care. Yeah. Like, where Where are you at with Vince Coletta? As if it mattered. <laughs> exactly like you said. Love him or hate him. You know, he was a creator at the time and a in a in a very a massive contributor to these characters and these books um yeah i i, I don't really you know like you said to keep keep it brief i don't really have a whole lot to to say as far as um <laughs> his uh his other uh proclivities but uh, yeah <laughs> I, but, I've heard I've heard the sentiment that like oh man Vince Coletta ruined Jack Kirby art by the way he inked and I'm like can you can you truly ruin Jack Kirby art right yeah. to, to me to me he's one of those guys like obviously you can do things to enhance and take away but like at the end of the day it's Jack Kirby art um, and uh, it's pretty hard to ruin you know the greatest illustrator in comics history's art. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so we got Vince Coletta on these issues and, uh, you know, uh, we're uh, I, uh, Eric and I are uh, reading these issues off of the Marvel Unlimited app. So obviously they've been remastered in certain ways. We're not looking at the original inkings. We're looking at some some highly, uh, highly uh, reworked and possibly edited stuff. So we'll jump into the cover art for these issues, a name that. Uh, some modern comic fans may know more. It's Bill Sienkiewicz. Bill Sienkiewicz did the uh, two covers for these issues. Uh, he was, you know, a prodigy at the time, and his uh, portfolio came across the desks at Marvel, uh, actually the desk of one Vince Coletta, and uh, he's he's also tied to Moon Knight. He did a lot of work on Moon Knight. 
He did the New Mutants in the 80s. And uh, he also was known for doing cover art, which obviously he does in these issues right here. He did cover art on uh, titles like Dazzler, Transformers, like we've mentioned, and a very timely reference. He did the cover for the comic addict adaptation of the original dune film so uh those of you that have maybe watched the current remake of dune bill sinkevich did the cover art for the original dune comic there's a little bit of trivia that you can break out at the world's nerdiest halloween party uh, but yeah bill sinkevich eric any thoughts on him as a creator uh just uh, before we jump into the actual issues that's that's another one of those names you know that i, I wouldn't have placed it uh, if you just brought up his name in conversation. Um, but yeah, the Dune thing is cool because I remember the, yeah. Dune, the Dune comics and they, they was, I, I liked those a lot. And I, I liked, you know, the Dune books and the original film was, was a favorite of mine. So that's, that's pretty neat. Okay. Let's, uh... oh, good grief. I just totally brain farted right there. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to edit that out. Hardcore. Um, oh shit. Um, <laughs> that's the first time that's happened to me. You're like, I like the dude movie. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start back in uh, like 10 seconds and then we'll jump into the issues. Okay, before we jump into an entire different side conversation about the Dune movies, which uh, regretfully I have yet to see the remake. I'm planning on watching it soon. For those of you that have enjoyed the new Dune movie, follow us on social media. Talk to me about Dune. That'd be a cool little fun conversation to have. But now for our Halloween special, let's jump into Thor versus Dracula, the uh, weird you know, cro crossing of different realms kind of action that we're going to get out of these two issues. Here is leading into these issues because this is not part of our throwback series. Here's just a little bit of a lead up to where Thor and Dracula are at at this point in Marvel Comics. And uh, here's where we're, we're here's where we're at with Thor first and foremost. Thor has been facing off lately in his book with uh, you know a classic. Famous villains of his, like the Dark Man, Graviton, the Scarlet Scarab, Megatax, and the Crusader. You know, names that every Thor fan hears when you think of top villains of Thor's. Uh, obviously, all those villains, not classics. Uh, they're kind of just, you know, villain of the month guys. And Thor's just, you know, kind of been, you know, he's been standing them up and knocking them down. And he and Sif are living on Earth and... Sif is finding it really difficult to adjust to life on Midgard. So it's probably generous to say that we're not at a high point in Thor's comic history. But like I said, we're about to get to the Simonson era. So things are about to change with, for Thor dramatically. And that's where we find ourselves with this just fun, weird story of him versus Dracula. The Marvel version of Dracula goes all the way back to a, a little-known comic back in the 50s called Suspense. And he debuted in Suspense number seven as a short backup story. And that's where the first appearance of Dracula in Marvel Comics shows up. But 
It wasn't really until the 70s where Dracula got his own title, The Tomb of Dracula, in 1972. And a little uh, little comic book, a little nerdy fact here. It was originally written by Jerry Conway, and it was penciled and inked by Gene Cullen. They, they were the first team to be on the Tomb of Dracula book. And by the time of this, these issues of Thor, Dracula has been a constant presence in Marvel Comics, the Tomb of Dracula book had, you know, just seen so many different issues at that point. And he appears in so many of the different horror comics like Werewolf by Night uh, alongside, you know, Jack Russell, the werewolf and Blade, the vampire hunter. And uh, yeah, so Dracula has been pretty consistent in his uh, appearances in the comics up until these issues. This issue is kind of part cop drama and it's part monster movie. It's very, it's very stark in its contrast. It feels like two different storylines that are, you know, very inexplicably mashed together. And here's a brief synopsis of the issue. And then we'll just start breaking down. Just, just have a little fun with this wacky story. Jane Foster has gone missing and Don Blake is the prime suspect. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, as if that drama and that tension wasn't enough, Meanwhile, Dracula rises after the after an undead sleep, and which Asgardian does he have his sight on next? So, leading into this issue, uh, Eric, I'm just curious, like, Tomb of Dracula, where Thor is at this time, these characters, as we settle into this story, um, had you read Tomb of Dracula at all? I feel like that might have been a title that's up your alley. Yeah, um, I, I, I have read, a, it wasn't something that I went out and bought a whole lot of books from, but I have read a couple of them. I don't even, now that I'm thinking about it, I, I don't even think the issues that I did read were even mine. I think they were someone else's and I just borrowed them because I thought they looked cool. Um, well, of course. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting too, because, and I'm sure we'll talk about it as we get into the issue, but um, you know, Dracula's Dracula's a pretty dark character, and even even in the Marvel universe, you know. Yeah. And, and these books, uh, these two books in particular, are are fairly dark. And you know, we talked about the 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 ties uh, to Moon Knight, which is also a, a darker book for Marvel. Um, so I think there's, you know, the guys working on these books, it, it comes across uh, in these stories. Um, there's there's some you know there's some scenes and some parts to the these particular books that I was like wow that's that's pretty dark Marvel. <laughs> uh, I yeah I'm I, I I there's a certain part that when we get there I'm just I like I feel like how, how did how how did this happen? <laughs> um, and when really like we're we're coming off of the 70s and in the 70s Marvel had this resurgence of horror comics. You had more monster comics happening, you know, like we've mentioned it several times, you know, Werewolf by Night, Tomb of Dracula, and there were other, you know, different like supernatural suspense titles that were being produced at that point. Because I, I feel like whether, I don't really know a lot about the Comics Code Authority, but it seemed like at that point, either Marvel cared less about what the Comics Code had to say, or or uh, the comics code was lifting uh, because there's a stark contrast between, you know, how sixties, you know, kind of comics are written. And then in the seventies, it feels like the doors get kind of 
blown open a little bit and they're able to talk about more stuff like i mean at at a certain point in the 70s there's literally a book that's titled the son of satan yeah like how much more occult and demonic can you get than the son of satan that's uh i think it's damon hellstorm i believe i'm not an i'm not an expert on that title but it has come across uh my my marvel unlimited app recently uh so we're we're at a point where the the worlds of superhero and horror comics are colliding in this book and um let's just break the book down and kind of (laughs) dig into these few halloween spooky situations that eric and i have alluded to especially the ones where we're like how in the world did that get past an editor um you know how how in the world did that get uh put together uh so in the first few pages we learn that Don Blake is a subs is a suspect in the disappearance of Jane Foster. And as Thor, he heads off to find this mystical artifact called the rune staff of Camo Tharn. And that doesn't really play a significant part in these stories, but Thor would go on to chase after that artifact after these stories are done. But he, he goes off to find this rune staff because he thinks it will unlock where Jane is. And it takes him to, you know, he, he goes from Chicago to New York to the Avengers Mansion, and then he comes back to Chicago. And uh, meanwhile, while this is happening with Jane and the Rune staff, they, these cult followers of Dracula do this, uh, or I don't know what I would, like a, a, a seance or something. They do, they do cult stuff. They do cult stuff and they raise Dracula out of his coffin uh, because, you know, that's uh, that's what you do in a vampire story. You bring it. You bring a vampire back. Uh, Dracula flies out into the night. And as Thor is returning from New York to the rooftops of Chicago, he flies by in his bat form and he uh, he senses like a an, uh, an extra powerful essence and he craves, he starts to have interest in Sif's godly blood. He continues along his you know, flight path. And then I'm assuming this is one of the parts that kind of caught you, Eric. He comes upon a group of teenagers. He attacks them and he drinks their blood. So that's about halfway through this issue. Uh, if you're like, wow, this is already a crazy story it gets crazier um but eric halfway through this issue like where were you at with this story especially dracula ambushing a group of teenagers right yeah that was (laughs) one thing i will say about this part of the book is there's a great panel or two panels on this page that uh just just screams late 70s early 80s it's like the the writers they crammed in as many references like yes. references that they could in this in this one page like one of the guys is talking about why don't we go play Atari all night or I'll record General Hospital on the Betamax <laughs> and then uh, on the Betamax <laughs> <laughs> and then I think one of them's when Dracula when they see Dracula when Dracula kind of uh, takes on his his uh, his uh, form uh, in front of him. They say something like, 
oh no, it's it's like Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like Friday the thirteenth. It's like it's like you know what? We we get it. We get it. You know pop culture. We understand. But we're right. all, all within like three panels on this page that you get all these these nice little throwback pop culture references that you know somebody a kid reading the book today would be like what is this this is what? this is moon man talk this moon, this moon man talk it honestly it feels very stan lee um because like yeah. he i mean he never shied away from you know fitting in a a, a, a timely reference uh, but it's like the editor would go back you know what you know what alan they said alan zelanets as he's writing is like we need we need more current references that the kids are gonna like. Why don't you talk about Atari, man? Why don't we talk about what's on the Betamax? Throw something in there about the Betamax. Yeah. <laughs> what what kind of shows are the kids watching these days? General Hospital? Hell yeah, put that in there. <laughs> but yeah, and, and then it and then it quickly quickly turns very dark because he, he does he ambushes them, attacks them, and presumably drinks their blood and kills them yeah yeah, and this so listener go back and uh, if you don't read any other part of this read pages 9 and 10 of issue 332 and it it's honestly this could be its own little mini comic uh because it's so out of context it would still be funny uh like friday the 13th and then he appears out of the shadow and just eviscerates these three teenagers so yeah how did that get past someone in editorial uh, right. it's like yeah. ah, okay we'll have them attack some teenagers and drink their blood you know, no big deal <laughs> so uh the detective who was in charge of blake's case uh for the disappearance of jane he he becomes involved in this case with the three teenagers dying and he asks don blake for his opinion on, you know, the victim's bodies and what, you know, what happened to them. And then as Thor, he promises to track down the killer and Dracula is, uh, meanwhile, Dracula is kind of obsessing about Sif's blood because he thinks that, you know, if he can just, you know, if he can just get some of that good, sweet blood, Eric, he can, you know, <laughs> achieve immortality or have more power. It's kind of, I don't know. It's it's kind of um, ambiguous. He's just like, hey, I want that blood because, man, that's really good blood, and I just gotta have it. Um, and then uh, as Sif sleeps, Thor goes out and he patrols the city. And here we come to the main action scene of the issue. He's attacked by a powerful follower of Dracula, and then uh, as he's on his way to the graveyard where these three teenagers have already been buried, which is very efficient uh the dead teenagers emerge out of their plots and they go to attack the the graveyard keeper and thor arrives just in time to fight them they transform into three massive bats and thor fights off these undead monsters and uh you know the the fight you know ends pretty uh, definitively uh he does some good tough talking here some classic thor tough talking and then back at thor and sif's apartment to kind of you know uh lead off the next issue with a with a dramatic curve we see dracula arrive to the apartment he bites sif and then we get that to be continued so 
so Eric, as we kind of finish up issue 332 of our spooky adventure, uh, when Thor is fighting these bats, what like I'm what was your favorite bit of Thor tough talk as he's fighting these bats? Oh man, uh, I'm not looking at the page, so I can't remember exactly what he said. So, um, so, uh, I'll just give you I'll give you one of mine. Uh, when he he grabs one of these bats by the wing, and, and and these bats are like maybe you know maybe like a fifty pound bat. I mean that's terrifying. A fifty pound bat is terrifying, but it's not like he's fighting a dragon. Uh, and he says, "Thou dost possess the strength of a thousand fiends." And okay, um, it's just a bat, man. And then he beats, and then he just like smashes it with a hammer. You know, three panels later, it's like, yeah, that was that was really tough. You made that look really tough. They just uh, kind of evaporate because I think before the graveyard scene, he he comes across one of the one of the new vampires, right? Yes. And, yeah. And, he, and it's attacking a woman, and he basically just hits it with Mjolnir, and the thing just and he just evaporates, like it is, <laughs> like yeah, it just like it turns into like ash or du- it turns into dust. Yes. And you learn that Mjolnir is not only a mystical hammer, but it also has holy properties, apparently. Uh, and I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. And it kind of reminded me, you know, you and I have had conversations about uh, convenient superpowers. Oh, of course. <laughs> Mjolnir is a Dasex Machina for anything. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, he's a get out of jail free card for anything. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So we, we, we leave on this cliffhanger. Dracula's over Sif. And Dracula proclaims, my ravishing goddess, now you are mine. Bum, bum, bum. And then uh, readers at the time had to wait an entire month before the conclusion of this dramatic battle with Dracula. Now, Thor and Dracula have not even seen each other yet. Um, so the cover of the next issue is, um, I, you know what? I actually, I take a little bit of issue with the cover of, of 333. The cover shows us a awesome uh, an awesome piece of artwork of Sif being commanded by Dracula to go after Thor and Thor is kind of in this hesitant pose of like oh no I you know I, I don't I don't want to fight I don't want to fight against Sif but funny thing about that Eric that never happens in the issue yeah, yeah. and it is it is a cool cover you're right I right? really like that cover and uh, it's, but it's, it's a classic, it's a very classic Marvel, like bait and switch cat tactic that they used to do with their covers from time to time. Those uh, shifty salesmen. Where you, where you see that cover and I mean, the cover is the reason you buy the book most of the time, right? You yep. Yeah. See that, see that awesome artwork and you grab the book and then you read the story and you're like, well, I. <laughs> this didn't go the direction I thought it was going to go. So when I when I first I, I've read this issue a few times because I honestly I like the corniness I love the cheesiness like yourself I enjoy the Universal Monster stories I, mm-hmm. I so I, I've read this a few times and when I saw the the cover the first time I was like oh Dracula's gonna like use mind control to have Sif fight against Thor and we're gonna get a Thor versus Sif you know 
showdown. What? A vampire Sith. Exactly. Exactly. Like the cover shows you. So uh, the entire issue, I'm waiting for this fight to happen, and it never happens. It actually never even comes close to happening. There's never one point where you think that Sif might be used as a um, as a foil against Thor, which honestly, uh, in my opinion, um, would have been a better plan if Dracula is like this mastermind. But right. and, and you gotta you gotta imagine that Sif has a better chance of beating Thor than you know ninety percent of Thor's villains. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and I mean, and, and on the cover, on the cover of the issue, it literally says at Dracula's command. So all of that, what if, and that hypothetical aside, you know how Eric and I think we could have rewritten this issue better. Um, really, how we think the cover could have actually followed through with what it promised us. Come on, guys. Um, here's the actual breakdown of the actual issue and what actually happened. We pick up from last time, and Sif wakes up after having been bit by Dracula, and it's really not explained in the issue that you know that overtly, but. She's under the influence of Dracula at this point, and she's suffering from a form of amnesia where she doesn't remember certain things. Uh, you know, she, she keeps calling Dracula her lover, um, even though she's never seen him before. And uh, Thor meets with Doctor Strange in this issue. Doctor Strange is his, um, his go-to person for, you know, all this kind of occult stuff that he's struggling with understanding. He gets some help trying to figure out where the rune staff is because that storyline is still happening in these issues and strange magically senses that sif is under the control of dracula so thor flies back off to face off against the lord of the vampires eric awesome guest star appearance by dr strange here i um i what did you think of his guest appearance in this issue? Because Doctor Strange is at an at a point in his history where um, his books are very inconsistent, and he has you know some running series, but mostly he's showing up as guest star in other people's books. So, what was your thought on you know his appearance here in three thirty three? I liked it. I thought it was Doctor Strange is a, a badass, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and how chill is he? Oh my gosh, the chillest. Chatting with Thor about Dracula, like yeah. <laughs> just, he he has no no. There's there's no real sense of urgency. It's like he knows that he can just he if he had to, he could just wipe Dracula off the planet if he needed to. <laughs> he just so laid back about it. If I could sum up dr strange's whole kind of like um attitude here be like you know what not that worried man not that worried uh you know uh eric and i have a I have a friend here where we live in nebraska who um who is very very much like no, no worries man no worries you know it's no big deal you know it's all gonna turn out good that is dr strange and this he's like we're gonna figure it out don't worry Go home, get some rest, <laughs> like before you go off and fight Dracula. There is what there's a few lines in here that I just want to draw some attention to because of out of context how just freaking hilarious they are. There is a point where Doctor Strange is telling him, like, hey, you know, 
I can I can help you, but we gotta go to this other room in in my house to figure this you know figure this out. So he's walking just gently up a staircase, and he says, "Now come with me to my chamber of shadows to consult my mystic orb." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, Stephen, weird." Uh, and then uh, the coolest toys. Yes, <laughs> come to my toy room. <laughs> Whoa, Stephen! <laughs> and and then he just um, as they're kind of probing Thor's mind to figure out, you know, where you know where things are, where the rune staff might be, he just offhandedly says, "Wait, there's there's an aura of malevolence surrounding Sif. Thor. What do you know about vampires?" And up until this point, no one has mentioned vampires yet, <laughs> but just completely out of the blue. How much do you know about vampires, Thor? So after Thor breaks down all the stuff with the rune staff and Sif and Dracula at his place in New York, Thor flies back off back to Chicago. And he, when he gets back, he discovers that Sif is missing. Blake goes and he closes his office for the rest of the day to search for Sif as Thor. Dracula and Sif back in his apartment place that he's hanging out. They discuss their, you know, their quote unquote, their love, uh, which is weird because Sif has only been a vampire for like a day now. And they make their plans to go to the opera. Thor returns to the police station and he gets a tip that one of Dracula's followers is kind of lurking and roaming around the city nearby. He confronts this cult follower and he finds out that Dracula's going to the opera. And then a weird little thing happens where the cultist that has given up the location of his master goes back to the cult's hideout and he immediately kills himself for betraying Dracula. So we've reached the culmination of this uh, arc and we're about to get the fight between Thor and Dracula. But Eric, the lead up to this has been kind of choppy. We've seen a lot of different stuff and it ends with a cultist completely you know, killing himself off. So um, we're, we're at this midpoint. What are your thoughts up until uh, the fight begins? Uh, you know, we talked about that a little bit already, but Man, this this book these books get dark quick, don't they? Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> they, uh, like like I said before, you know, there's there's definitely darker books in the Marvel universe, especially around this time period. Like you said, with Werewolf by Night, and we talked about Moon Knight, and we've we've talked about all those things. Yeah, but, yeah. It's it, it was it. There are parts in these both of these books that are. Uh, still very surprising, and that was one of them as well. Um, you know, it, it, the guy just walks in the door, <laughs> stabs himself. There's a body count to these books, which is kind right? of great. There, there's usually with with Thor comics, you don't like. I don't on it. I honestly don't think of like blood and death in these books a lot. They're usually right. a lot lighter, or they're a lot more cosmic and intergalactic. Uh, you don't think of cultist followers, you know, offing themselves right. when you think of you know Thor comics. Yeah, and Dracula eating teenagers, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not standard store uh, Thor fare. Like he does, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, I feel like we're in Friday the Thirteenth, man. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's it's a pretty pretty stark, uh, you know, uh, direction changed from like you said the normal Thor books that we we read and we talk about. Yeah, exactly. The um, 
the scene quickly shifts to the opera building where Thor crashes the event and he calls out Dracula. He goes down the aisle, he calls him out, and the two uh, take their fight to the rooftops of the city. And here's where we get a, a, a lot of cool panels artistically. Uh, they both try to command the elements of, of rain and thunder and lightning, and that ends in a stalemate. I, I don't know how Dracula is powerful enough to cause a stalemate when the god of thunder is calling on the elements but they resort to their physical power and uh, it causes dracula to transform into not his bat form but his gaseous form they uh, they fight a little bit here and there and the the fight ends with Thor summoning lightning and he electrocutes Dracula while he's in his gaseous state. Uh, then he evaporates, he, he flies away, and we we actually um, we're gonna learn where that story continues in just uh, just a moment. With the battle one, Dracula is defeated. He uh, his power over Sif is is done, and then Doctor Strange appears before Thor, and he says, "Hey, don't worry, I'm gonna go track down Dracula because he knows that Thor and Sif are gonna go off to chase after the Rune Staff, which is on a distant planet." Of course, you know we're about to go back into more more traditional Thor issues while Doctor Strange goes off and finishes the threat of Dracula. And that is curtains. That is seen on our 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 read through of the issue. But this final fight, Eric, I I want to know just maybe like some of your favorite panels, some of your favorite moments as Thor and Dracula face off on the rooftops of Chicago. Uh, I I like I like the I like the the in you know the ultimate fight between the two of them. The like you said the uh, the commanding of the weather thing was was. Uh, a little different but but it was also yeah. kind of cool because you don't see thor come to a, a, a whole lot of stalemates with his enemies like that at least on yes. that and uh uh you know it's he you gotta love when they explain their plan right <laughs> i love it I, there's nothing in comics i love more than when heroes and villains explain everything they're about to do or that they've just done yeah, and when 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 Dracula makes that transition into the the mist, and and Thor uh, explains that not only is he going, this is his plan, but it's going to work. Just so you're, just so you know. But <laughs> uh, and then and then you know at the end, like you said, when Doctor Strange pops up and he and he says, "Don't worry about it. I'll mop this up. You go, you go fly off and find the staff." <laughs> uh, <laughs> Once again, you know, Doctor Strange just popping in to to make things better. He's just like we well, like you said earlier. He's just so calm, cool, collected. You know, um, he he's he's truly the mystical badass of the Marvel universe. Yeah. He's yeah. he's just so uh, he's so unflappable most of the time. There, one of the lines you were talking about when when uh, when. Dracula's in his gaseous form and he Thor is sending the hammer after him. He says, again, your mallet. And like, hey, you tried this before. You know, you're gonna try this again. You are a greater fool than I would have imagined. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dracula's got some, he's got some real trash talk. Um, yeah. but Thor, you know, uh, this is Thor's book. This is, you know, this is 
Thor's Midgard to protect. So Dracula is dispatched. And then we, you know, we see Thor and Sif fly off at the end of the issue to go on their next adventure. This hunt for Dracula story, the, the Doctor Strange story that continues is in issues 60 and 62 of what would have been the current run of Doctor Strange at that point. And Strange partners up with Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, the Monica Rambeau version of Captain Marvel, and another occult kind of uh, horror character that we know, Eric Brooks, a.k.a. Blade, they all track down Dracula and they they seemingly kill him, which uh, we know with Dracula, he always finds a way to come back. And he actually becomes a pretty persistent enemy of Doctor Strange from that point on. So uh, Thor and Sif go on and search for the rune staff and they, um, they get a few more issues uh, out of that storyline. And then the complete creative direction of the book changes when uh when some guy named Walt Simonson is handed the book and he completely revamps the entire thing he begins one of the most celebrated runs in the character's history just a few months after this so uh we're at an interesting point in Thor's history but we can always make a pit stop here to talk about some weird crazy fun Thor Dracula stories so Eric, before we close down the Halloween special, any final thoughts on these issues? I mean, I really enjoyed getting these out and, and chatting with you about them. I, I really liked them, man. I, I did. And not just saying that because it's Halloween and it's one of my favorite <laughs> holidays, but but it's, it's you do Halloween. love Halloween. That is Halloween. that is true. <laughs> uh it's it's very cool to me to see something like this. Like I said, it's completely different direction as far as how dark and gloomy and grim that this these books are but you know when you introduce dracula to a storyline you're you're kind of asking for that right he's he's a pretty he's a pretty mean mean nasty guy in the marvel universe he's not yes. uh, you know he's not that the romantic uh dracula uh he's he's definitely uh out to cause some trouble and out to obviously out to kill some people and uh, I'm I'm lo I'm gonna go and look at those those Doctor Strange issues just because yeah. uh, I, I want to see that team up sounds awesome first off, and yeah. then get, and then you get to see Doctor Strange you know kick a little Dracula butt so I mean I you you had me at Scarlet Witch Captain Marvel and Blade right. it was, <laughs> exactly <laughs> that team up just sounds good good enough so if you want to continue the story like I said go and read. The uh, the run of Doctor Strange from the early 80s and issues 60 and 62 are going to give you the conclusion of this Dracula story. Um, but that is going to do it for us on this Halloween special. Thanks, Eric. As always, you're a blast to have on and talk comics, man. Uh, we'll we'll see you down the road, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. As always, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs>
going to do it for our Halloween special today, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this breakdown of Thor versus Dracula with my good friend Eric Fisher. We had a blast having this chat, and we hope that you enjoyed this spooky showdown here on our Halloween special. Before we leave you today, I want to just say, if you have not given us a rating, a reviewer, a subscription, please do that before you leave today, before you go out and enjoy all your Halloween festivities. Go give us a rating, a five-star rating, a review. Tell us what you enjoyed about the Halloween special and subscribe so that whenever we put up a new special like this or a bonus episode or even our regular weekly episodes, you will know that they are there and you can listen to them as soon as possible. That would be awesome. And if you want to continue the conversation with us, go to Facebook, join our brand new group across the Bifrost, continue the conversation there with some great people who love Thor and love just talking comics, talking movies, talking whatever it is we want to talk about in the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. And then if you're on Instagram, go follow us at Mighty Thor Podcast. Continue the conversation there if you are an Instagrammer. So, Those are great ways to reach out to us. Those are great ways to support the show. But go out, go have some Halloween fun, and I hope that we see you next time aboard the Rainbow Bridge. Until then, dear listener, I say to you, stay worthy.